Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello, welcome back to Rugby Pod on Spotify. I'm Andy Robick, Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We're going to dissect all the latest Premiership action, look ahead to the Champions Cup semi-finals, and chat about some of Gatlin's options ahead of the Lions squad announcement next week. Plus, Scooty's got plenty to say about the RFU's post-Six Nations review, and we've got Newcastle's new sign-in Carl Ferns on the show to explain why he's finally back in the Premiership and what French rugby's really like. Yeah, and And what happened with Hanson, basically. Let's get that out of the way. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Good week, though. Yeah, not bad, not bad, Jim. I'm, I'm looking at you, and I'm seeing a smile. I'm seeing happiness this week. It, you know, you're either up or you're down, and I'm seeing, like, you could be happy this week. The pubs are open in Scotland, aren't they, today? I wear my heart on my sleeve, lads. You know, last week I was a bit down. Um, not a lot else has happened since then, really. I'll be honest with you. I did the big one on Friday, Edinburgh versus Zebra. I've had my lid cut, and it looks ridiculously good. I mean, let's put it down to Suns. Let's put it down to... Not being stressed. Let's put it down to not being troubled. My lid has come back, and you talk about John Cooney. Does it look like John Cooney's yes or no, lads? Not quite, but not bad. It's not. It's looking good, mate. I'll take it. I'll take it. So I went to the gym today. Weird, weird. But I had to go to the gym because on Friday, it was an epic game of rugby, Edinburgh versus Zebra. Said no one ever. So Saturday, <laughs> I'm at home. And anyone who follows me on social will be thinking, why is Jim Hamilton tweeting a load of weird shit at half 10, half 11, one o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning? I was absolutely ball bagged responsibly. <laughs> I, who sits at home drinking 12 gin and tonics responsibly, watching YouTube videos, singing to the greatest showman? That was me on Saturday night, absolutely ball bagged on my own, watching greatest showman clips and behind the scenes stuff that is how sad my life has become lads so this week can't have come quick enough i'll be honest with the pubs opening what happens in your house right when because you do this it started to become a regular theme hasn't it you know i get the old video of you the odd facetime call when you're a few deep on a gin and tonic and i'm like is back just looking at you going it's time for bed or i'm going to bed you sleep in the spare room what's happening she knows the storm's coming at half five, six in the morning. But <laughs> Sunday morning was my warning to wake up. And you know that meme that goes around, not even the meme, if you're WWF or WWE fans, whatever it's called, you know when Undertaker just sits straight out of um, his coffin when he gets up to fight. That was me Sunday morning <laughs> at half five when it's my time to get up in the morning. Like, so I've gone to bed at half one. But to be fair, Saturday night was good. Friday night weren't great. Sunday at the beach all day, just cooking, cooking barbecues, just putting it on Instagram, seeing what the engagement is. Lads, I've had a hell of a weekend, I'll be honest. <laughs> I could tell you're happy. I could t- and you mentioned the gym, Jim. 
I've done my back on my shoulder or something. I was doing some shoulder press today. Yeah, that movement you've just done is a, is, is a tricep. It's That's that not a tri- shoulder. Yeah, that one it's there. That That's one a shoulder. There. That one there. Yeah, anyway, yeah. five sets of 10 on the old shoulder press, 42 kilo dumbbells in each hand. <laughs> oh, your back's gone. <laughs> 40, no. 42 kg dumbbell in between your legs to keep you on the floor. That's what. You, that's what, <laughs> where that dumbbell comes in. Um, yeah, dummy back. Um, and you talk about your weekend. We went to the farm on Sunday. I was on BT Sport on Saturday with Lawrence. Um, if there's ever an alpha male, it is that gentleman right there. I, I'm happy to be a lesser man than him. I'll be honest. I am happy to be a lesser man than Lawrence. Yeah, uh, actually really enjoy working with him, um, which was fun. And then Sunday, took the kids to the farm. You know, you like you're walking around, and Jim, you talk about this a lot. You walk around Edinburgh, and everyone's like, "Jim, you're legend," and all that stuff. Hero, probably more so, but yeah. How nice is it? People come up to you and go, "Goody, love the pod. How you doing?" Just that—that's all you need, right? And you're like, "Oh, nice to see you, mate. How you doing?" And it makes you feel good. One bloke at the farm on Sunday, he's walked over. He's like, "Goody, where's Jim?" I'm like, "Well, uh, fair question." He lives in Scotland, mate, so he's not down in Buckinghamshire at the farm. He goes, oh, well, I, I love the pod. Is this the nanny? Points at the missus. Is this the nanny? My missus just looks at him and is like... <laughs> kind of. Like, she does a lot of work in that kind of genre to our kids, but it's not the nanny. My missus just looks at me and goes, who the hell is this? I said, Carolyn, I've got no idea who he is. <laughs> I said, who are you, mate? He's like, oh, Steve. He called himself Steve. And then he goes, oh, the, the, is this the twins then? Is this the twins? I'm like... Is he playing the fucking obvious game or what? We've <laughs> got two blonde-haired, blue-eyed, three-year-old girls that look exactly the same. Yes, mate, it is the twins. It is the twins. Um, and I think he'd had a couple of beers before he came to the farm. So, uh, But it's nice, isn't it, when people say that sort of stuff. But I, my missus ain't happy with the pod today. Who gets steaming before going on a, going to a farm? Me. Me, probably. Think, yeah, Next time anyone. I go. But yeah, I think uh, the missus isn't happy with the pod because people think I talk about the nanny more than I talk about her. So uh, there we go. Well, before we get into the Premiership chat, the RFU released the findings of their review into England's Six Nations after the pod went out last week. What would you guys make of it? I know you had plenty to say about it on Twitter, Goody. He's still in situ. That's the, that's the right line, isn't it? Eddie Jones is still in situ for the foreseeable. That Quote me, lads. Quote me on that. Well, I mean, that's the obvious statement, Jim. And he is. Okay, he was, well, fair he, enough, yeah. He was never going to get sacked, was he? Let's be honest. With the credit in the bank from that we're still harping on about where we got to the 2019 World Cup final and the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic, uh, who knows what the ins and outs are of his contract to get him out of his contract before the end. You know, can the RFU afford it? Is there anyone else? Everything was saying that Eddie Jones is never going to get sacked. But I was really disappointed with it, to be honest. Oh, <laughs> why? I mean, Which the first bit? thing was, the first thing they said was the Six Nations was suboptimal. Suboptimal? I mean, if optimal's winning the Six Nations, suboptimal, okay, is it finishing second? It was abysmal. We finished fifth, our worst ever Six Nations. Fifth's they, all right. Fifth's all call, right. It ain't that bad. <laughs> they called it suboptimal. And basically, to me, it just read like a list of excuses from everything to do with the initial selection. Some players hadn't played enough, but lots of players had played too much. Our COVID bubble was way more taxing on the players than the rest of the countries. The Scots, the Welsh and the Irish, they had pretty secure bubbles as well. Our breakdown in discipline wasn't good. We must do more leg weights. I'm like, oh my, what? Who's basically? I didn't see that. They must do more what? More what? More lower limb weights. What's that got to do with anything? Okay, all right. (laughs) Well, I'm no philosopher, you know what I mean, or or a pharmacist, but I'm not working out how that, how that transfers. But who am I to judge? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. and who quoted that? Who said that? Was that is that just like the overall 
kind of review that's been done or can we can we put Eddie Jones' name to that quote? Well, I, I greatly believe that Eddie Jones wrote this review himself, to be honest, because <laughs> not once does any fingers get pointed at Eddie Jones. Every excuse that's come out with and every reason behind the poor Six Nations is all down to Eddie Jones, whether it be picking the wrong players who haven't played too much, picking players that have played too much, breakdown in discipline, missing a couple of coaches, hiring the coaches that were part of the, the group, you know, talking about the premiership. He hasn't got a relationship with some of the DORs and the premiership doesn't speak to a few of them. I can guarantee that for a fact. And I'm just sat there. Everything points at Eddie Jones. Just Eddie, put your hand up and go, it wasn't good enough for me. I got these things wrong. There's never a finger pointing at him. So um, everything's come from the CEO, uh, Bill Sweeney, who's made all the quotes. But to me, it was just a list of excuses that, quite frankly, it, it raises more questions than answers. And it was, from an England fan reading it, I'm just like, that's embarrassing, some of it. It's, it's cringeworthy, the way it was written. And effectively, it seems like Eddie Jones was absolved of any responsibility or blame which when you're the top dog and you're making all these decisions, um, it's basically the can, you know, stops with you. Does that mean you wanted him out, Goody? No, I didn't want him out. There's no one out. Unless you're going to get Scott Robertson or you go and get Rob Baxter. For me, they're the only two people, and I'm, I'm trying to think outside the box of other people. To me, they're the only two people that would excite... Uh, and you know, warrant a change right now because you know we are two years out from a World Cup. But then the argument with South Africa, they changed their coach two years before the 2019 World Cup and put Razi and Erasmus in charge, and look what happened. So you know, Rob Baxter doesn't want the job yet. If he does want it in the future, great. He doesn't want it yet. He's on this project at Exeter. He's very comfy where he is. If he wants the England job, it will be more of a natural progression, an end of a World Cup cycle. So potentially after the next World Cup. But unless the RFU were going to go and get their spuds out and go and get Scott Robertson or someone like that, he was never going to get sacked. I'm not advocating Eddie should have got the sack. Eddie needs to make massive changes within himself, how he handles the media, how he doesn't react with players playing well in the Premiership and pick those players. He's bagged the Premiership and said, oh, it doesn't, playing well in the Premiership doesn't equate to being, you know, your form's going to translate into international rugby. He's got his comfy little group um, and some serious questions. No one holds him to task. I believe someone needs to be sat above Eddie Jones with Rugby IQ to make Eddie report to him because at the minute he's reporting to a CEO, which, you know, Bill Sweeney could be a very, very good CEO. I'm sure he is, but he's got no Rugby IQ in terms of playing the game, understanding what you know, winning looks like in a rugby environment, international level, you know, succession planning, all the things you want as a Six Nations coach and an England coach. It's He's got no one to report to that can challenge him. You need someone with rugby IQ. And now I'm not being ageist, but if you've got an old fogey, I don't know how old Bill Sweeney is, or someone that's retired 10, 15 years ago. Even I find it difficult now, and I watch nearly all the games, and I find it difficult trying to pick out the nuances and pick out who is really on form, the work off the ball, all these things, which would effectively mean that you're the best player in your position and should play for England. So I don't even know, you know, if you've got a CEO or you've got someone like, I don't know, even Martin Johnson now, if he's not watched the game, obviously he managed the, managed the England team when he retired. Johnny Wilkinson, chatting to Johnny, he doesn't watch loads of rugby. So who could you put in above Eddie, like in terms of that says, that could challenge him and say, you need to look at Marcus Smith. Because Marcus Smith does that. They'll have a superficial opinion, won't they? Like, we, we, And everyone can have a superficial opinion. 
you know, Bill Sweeney obviously listens to the rugby pod. So what we say, he's probably, we're convincing <laughs> him. You know, we're convincing him that Sam Simmons or Don Armand back in the day sh- should have been playing for England or, you know, Alex Don Brandt when he was playing really well should be playing for England or, you know, why is Danny Kerr not playing or George Ford shouldn't be playing 10? And the, you could go on. But if Eddie Jones is this super intelligent guy uh, in rugby, which he is, clearly, I don't know how you can challenge him when there is no one in that position that is arguably qualified. Yeah, the only two people I could really think of that are in in and around the area at the minute that they could put someone in there is uh, Connor O'Shea, who's working at the RFU and he understands environments, winning environments. You know, he understands coaching to a, a high level. Um, he's got so much experience both playing the game, but also coaching at the top level, winning things and understanding what it takes to win and knowing a lot of the premiership and how it runs, etc. So he'd be a perfect foil. Or I know Nigel Melville's back in the mix as well with a, a role there. So there's got to be someone. Oh, I don't know. No, I like Nigel. I'm just talking about people that are there now. So Conor O'Shea is the obvious one, but you need someone in between Eddie Jones and Bill Sweeney who has rugby IQ that can hold Eddie accountable. Well, the Lions squad is due to be announced next Thursday. There's been loads of debate online, but one that's really causing a stir is the number 10 position. You've got Finn Russell, Bigger, Sexton and Farrell. Assuming that he only takes three of those, who gets left behind? Oh. On my on my eighth gin and tonic, something popped up on social media and I think I saw into the mind of my mate, my mentor, Warren Gatland, now, <laughs> I hope I'm completely wrong, but I watched the Leicester-Northampton game and watched friend of the show, well, his wife's friend of the show, Dan Bigaroo, rock up and play the way that he played. And we all know that I'm a big fan of his. And then I'm thinking, right, so the squad gets announced on the 6th of May, Thursday the 6th of May. The lads are all being told now via email whether they're in the mix or whatever. I think there's going to be like a bigger mission potentially and I hope I hope I'm wrong in what I say but I could see I can see Finn Russell not being picked I don't really? want to see it and I might be completely wrong and I say that because of how well Dan Biggers played so he's in my opinion you could arguably say front runner six nations champions hard as nails unbelievable kicking game unbelievable tackler fits in the game plan that you're going to need to beat South Africa a good lad so he's in, right? And then you've got Faz, who will go as a 10-12, definitely, regardless of what people think. Owen Farrell was one of the best players in the world. You know, you've seen him at the weekend against Dealing. He was unbelievable. Um, <laughs> He's still trying to be friends with him, Jim, again. Well, it's never going to happen. But if I get him as captain, maybe. But Faz is definitely going to go. So then that leaves, obviously, Sexton or Finn. Now, you know, Sexton's... <laughs> I don't want to be horrible... Sexton obviously ain't going to play in all the games, is he? He's, he's just not robust enough to do that. And however these games look. But he's a player that if it was a test match, you could get him right for a test match. The way that you'd want to play against South Africa. Mm. I was just think the way that... like Finn didn't, Finn didn't have an amazing Six Nations. And let's get this right. I want Finn to go. I think he should go. But I'm reading into the mind of my mentor and my mate. And I think that there'll be... A couple of big headline stories, and I think around the... T- I mean, what would be a bigger headline, Goody? Sexton not going or Finn not going? What What would you say? Uh, I'd say the bigger headline will be Sexton not going, and I think that's the way it will go. What, you don't think Sexton will... You, th- you think Finn will go? I, I think when you're looking at it, and, and take this weekend, for example, I might be proven wrong. I, you know, I read some comments from Leo Cullen 
and he said he doesn't know whether Sexton's going to be available for this weekend. He's had some more concussion issues and all that stuff. So that leaves a big question mark over his head. You know, you come into the Champions Cup semi-finals this weekend and start the week, whether it's just a bit of propaganda or whatever it is, they don't know whether Sexton's are going to be fit. So, you know, uh, the big thing, Farrell's playing in the Champo, didn't have a good Six Nations, but you know Farrell is going to get picked on reputation, on the fact that he can cover 10 and 12. Um, so I think he's he's in. When people are looking at it going, oh, on form, it should be, you know, you should have Finn Russell, you should have Dan Bigger. You you know, that, if you're taking three, it's then got to be a heads up between Sexton and Farrell because of the question marks around Sexton, his injuries, and Farrell isn't playing that well. But we all know Farrell is a test match animal, so he will go. And then I think, you know, Bigger is playing unbelievably well. I'm a massive fan of him. Pretty sure I put him in my lines 15 at 10 as well. And then I'm a believer in, you know, if you've got two players of a Farrell and a bigger, you need a point of difference with someone else. So you need someone, a Finn Russell, that can change you a game. Because let's be honest, if you're starting bigger or if you're starting Farrell at 10 or even Sexton at 10 in a test match and it's going well, you don't need to change your 10. 10's a position that you change in a reaction to the game. So if you're getting humped and you've got Finn on the bench or you're losing by 10 or you need some magic, you bring Finn on. If you're winning by 10... And, you know, things are comfortable. You don't need to change it. You don't change your 10. So I think you need someone with a point of difference. Uh, I think Finn Russell should go. I think Bigger should go. I think Sexton should go. I think Farrell shouldn't go. No, I'm joking. Oh, uh, oh. No. I, I think Sexton may miss out just purely on the fact of, you know, he has had injuries. Um, and on a tour where there's going to be bubbles and there's going to be, you know, you're going to need durable players. You either take four 10s, which you don't need, or do you consider Farrell just as a 12 and then you can take them all? But someone's missing out and I've got a feeling it'll be Sexton. Should we have a look at the Premiership now? Bristol next to a hell of a game to kick off the weekend. Well, do, do you not want to talk about Edinburgh Zebra, no? No, Jim. Yeah, I mean, the Prem, the standard's unbelievable. And that game was class. I mean, extra, like you said, Goody, have struggled a little bit this season in terms of performances. Uh, and I think we spoke about four. I can't remember who said who was going to win, but... Um, that you said extra under more pressure going into this game because Bristol's at the top of the league. And yeah. there you go, mate. Answer well, it. I think the ironic thing around it, obviously, you know, Exeter champions, you know, Bristol, the kind of new kids on the block trying to take over that mantle, um, you know, and really challenge us sitting top of the league. Bristol could lose that game. Um, and kind of the weird thing around it is, I reckon secretly, Pat Lamb is okay with losing the game. And you never want to say, oh, you know, I'm happy to lose. But... The fact that they lost to Exeter, the champion team, the fact that they're missing Randradra, they were missing Callum Sheedy, they were missing um, now Lango on the wing. A lot of their firepower, Harry Randall wasn't there as well, Nathan Hughes. You know, There was a number of players that weren't playing and they still at times went toe-to-toe with Exeter. And Exeter were, were back to, you know, they had two weeks ago, they lost to Leinster, so there was a bit of pain in their camp. They know they're under pressure for that second position. So it was a must-win game for them. Jack Noel came back, was outstanding. They were fully loaded, Exeter. Um, so it was a case of, you know, Pat Lamb, it's a bit of a reality check because they were flying in the Premiership so far clear. They know they've got a home semi-final pretty much wrapped up. Okay, so what it does do, and, and we've all been there in teams, Jim, when you are flying, and a loss like that really sharpens the mind for Bristol and, and makes them look at their standards again, makes them look at how they're going to win when it comes to their season now is all about semi-final and potentially final. That's all that matters. So it's how do you now build to those two games with the squad you've got 
only Pat Lamb will know when those players will come back um, into into fitness to integrate them back in just to get to that two-game end of season, the big dance, semi-final at home, final hopefully for them. And they're probably going to have to beat Exeter uh, to win it. So, yeah, I mean, Exeter looked good, didn't they? Jack Noel back to his best. Sam Simmons, you know, we bang on about him a lot because he's a world a player. The speed, the power, the pace, he had everything. O'Flaherty played well again. And Exeter looked back to being the extra that we all know and saw last year do the double. Johnny Hill spiralling 150 metres off that his left boot. That was ridiculous. I didn't know whether we were going to talk about that because he's boycotted us. And this nipple twister or whatever it's called, rib tickler, whatever his beer's called, or cider's called, if he don't come on, if he boycotts us again, right, and now we're talking about his kick... I'm going to say that stuff tastes like toilet. So <laughs> he's got a choice now. I'll say it. That kick was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Your rib tickler tastes amazing. That's the last time I'm going to say. If you boycott us again, we're we're taking it down. Yeah. <laughs> and it was interesting because he's 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 bang 150 on a tight spiral, and you could see his chest was he was really happy with himself. And then looks over to the sideline, his number comes up. Oh, off you go, son. Both sets of forwards. The lines that those forwards run, the handling, the offloading, the skill sets. I'm like, I played with an absolute bunch of donkeys when I was playing. Don't, like be, don't, don't be horrible. I didn't play with you that much. <laughs> like, <laughs> like forwards couldn't, not many forwards. We used to cheer at training if a forward could catch and pass it. That's how, <laughs> like, that's how bad it was. We're like, yeah, All he's I remember, one. Julian White used to try and suffocate. Anyone anyone passed Julian White the ball, like that's it. You're getting buried. So, like something's happening to you. Yeah, so it, it actually made me sit up and think, geez, in the last four or five years, the game has just changed immeasurably with the skill level of players. And that brings back to your point, Jim, where you talk about how good the Premiership is at times. And it is the detail, the skill level. And that was the best two teams going at each other. And good, you were in Brentford, weren't you, for Quinn's late win over London Irish? I was. Bit of niggle. Bit of uh, a bit of like, Yeah, Marlis. I mean, he turns up looking like Ali G from what I've seen on social. He's going, <laughs> my mate Uso, Blair Cowan, he's picking him up. Blair Cowan can't throw his long locks and do the backwards head, but he's he had to take it like a good one, isn't he? That's all I'm yeah. seeing about that game is just a little bit of niggle. Joe Marler throughout the game was a real noise. I think he told uh, Matt Carley he doesn't know what the fuck he's on about. And they were his words because we heard it down the cans. Can't argue. Not specifically <laughs> on Matt Carley. If he's talking about referees as a whole, then I don't want to be the one that argues with him on that point. But yeah, it, there was a bit of niggle. Marler was being a bit petulant at the time, tripping people. and But Quinn's stayed in the fight, you know, Obviously, Esther Hazen got sent off for the elbow to the face of Curtis Rona. Um, you know, uh, and it was it was handbags basically. I think started by Simmons, the second row, and Blair, uh, going and pinning Blair Cowan down. Like he looks like a fake tough guy, Simmons, doesn't he? I, I don't know what a fake tough guy is these days. Just someone who grabs people hard and looks angry, knowing that nothing can you happen. Get, you, yeah, that you ain't getting uppercutted by Deeks. Yeah, like, you just know that ain't happening. <laughs> uh, but Irish will be kicking themselves really um they get ahead uh, scored a wonderful try after esther hazen uh got sent off quinn's moved caden murley the left winger he defended off the top of the line out uh in the back so they came back down the short side danny care was exposed on his own real bit of rugby noise there so they found the weak link because of the red card which was pretty clever they go ahead they have more opportunities they had a couple of penalties irish to kick at goal to take the score further ahead and they just couldn't close out the game and fair play to quins they stayed in the fight marcus smith absolute magic in his boots when he needs it stepped inside about 17 defenders uh, to score the winner but it, they shouldn't have had that opportunity really it was it was irish uh, and a bit of 
lack of composure and, and game understanding, really. It'll be huge for the top six. Um, obviously, Quinn's now fourth on 54 points. Northampton, who were class at the weekend against Leicester. Yeah. Imagine London Irish getting into Europe. That's a successful season for them, isn't it? Making, yeah. to, making top six, for sure. So, And, and speaking to them before the game, if Irish had have beaten Quinn's, they'd have closed the gap and pushed towards the top four. But speaking to some of them, they were like, oh, we've got loads of players missing. You think of Irish, right? They've achieved what they've achieved this year. Sean O'Brien hardly played for them. Coleman hardly played for them. Naholo hardly played for them. So they've got a lot of their big wage cap not playing. Uh, so Kopi Kepu left halfway through the season, you know, where they've spent a lot of money. Loads of their salary cap haven't been playing and they've done exceptionally well Irish to get to where they got to so they're thinking top six it'll be great for them in their stadium the stadium's wonderful by the way could have been me that could have Jim two year deal probably probably would have signed me for another two years wouldn't they so yeah well, yeah four years there definitely so it'd be great for Irish to be in the Champions Cup next year I'm hearing rumours actually that the Champions Cup might be top eight as opposed to the regular oh, top mate, six all this drama like I watched Simon Halliday friend of the show Talking about Europe, he went on BT to speak about. It. I'm thinking, right, we've got headline news here. He gave me nothing. At well, all. he gave you he gave you the fact that the deal has been struck by the three leagues for the next eight years or ten years or however many years it is. Who's bothered? Am I bothered? Who's bothered about that? But we know it's there now. We know it's in place. We just don't know how it's going to look. The last sixteen is going to be key, isn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah. You so can I, see I reckon that was the only thing he gave. Yeah, uh, I reckon they might extend it to 24 teams. Here's just a throwaway comment: 24 teams, so eight, eight, and eight, and then you have two leagues of 12 that play across each other or something, somehow you work it out. I hate the- that. I hate that. I hate the crossover. No, don't do it, Andrew. Or just just have games within your own league of 12 then. They, you draw leagues, so you have games within your own league. And then top 16. The last 16 I thought was brilliant because it no, got rid of loads of dead good. rubbers. We can't do rubbers. We can't do the crossover. <laughs> like, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, eat out, help out, don't help out, see him. There's enough confusion in my life. I don't need that. You know, even the Pro 14, the crossovers and that, I just, old school, mate. Old school, champions, relegation, take out the top four as well. I don't like that. Anyway, that's a story for another day. While we're in the boardroom, the Prim clubs are meeting today regarding the Lions player release. What are you guys expecting to come from that? That they can go? Oh, gosh. How much than they can go? That's it's, it. It's one of them, isn't it? There's the San, we spoke about it the other week, the San Francisco agreement. That's San been... Francisco. <laughs> hey, talking of that, your mate's gone. Darren Charles, he would have been involved in that chat. Where's he gone? He's, he's Just when it matters. Mo- well, no, he's moved to uh, be part of CVC. Um, Amen. And, yeah, so his background, obviously, is a fair bit of television. Felt like the right time to move. He wanted to be part of the CVC setup. So uh, yeah, good luck to him. I, I'm, I'm sure he wanted he'll be, some positivity. Andrew. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be heavily involved in the media side of, of Premiership Rugby for a while to come yet. Yeah. Back on the pitch then. Northampton won the East Midlands derby, didn't they? Very good game that. Enjoyed it. Um, huge game for Leicester. The build-up, everything that they were saying. Young Z, Genji, biggest game. You know, you should see this place full at Welford Road. They can actually front up physically now. Really good scrum. Back row is really physical, score some good tries. You know, they, they've got a bit of mm about them again. But Northampton, fair play. Play, 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 big fella. Uh, Sam Vesti, pick your nose and eat it, has come good. You know, some really good English players. Me and Goody, actually, we 
like this game that much, we actually spoke about it on the phone. That's how much we love our ruggers. We dissected it with an open cloth, didn't we, Jim? Yeah, we did. We did. Bigger, very good. Alex Mitchell, good until he went off injured. Hopefully that's not too bad. I thought the bat row, Lewis Ludlum and uh, Tom Wood especially, I thought were fantastic. Uh, Ribbons was class as well. And it was. I thought, I thought it was a brilliant game. Like, I remember playing against Northampton... Yeah, for the second team, but I was captain, so it was a big deal <laughs> uh, for Leicester. They were massive, but yeah, it's a, yeah, a, a good game. Austin spoke about it on comms around George Ford. Seems like he's having to play in a structured framework under Borthwick, and again, Austin knows more about rugby than I do, especially bat play, is that he doesn't look as comfortable. George Ford's a kind of feel-it kind of player, throwing balls into space, kicking into space off the cuff, but um, he struggled a little bit in, in that role. And you talk about the Lions tour, you know, bigger versus Ford, that kind of size narrative. Not even a question, you know, mate. Not even well, a question. Not, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I said it, I said question, it the week. Usain George Ford should be on the Lions tour. Look at the Six Nations. Dan Bigger, phenomenal. Man of the match. Um, yeah. It, you know, People have asked the question. We've just had a debate earlier around the four fly-offs that are in the mix. And we, you know, George Ford wasn't even mentioned. But yeah, it's intercept, you're right. Hutchinson, nice little touch there. Um, defensive read. But George Ford's a wonderful player on the front foot. The big question marks always come around him managing a game when his pack isn't dominating. Um, and you know, I get Austin's point completely. He's a you know he is a field player, but sometimes you have got to feel the game and you can't just chuck it into space and hope someone's there because that's when I've, I've thrown thousands of intercepts in my time. That's that's where you should have been. I'll never forget actually at training. Rod Kafer used to throw these pies out. Not literal pies, but pies. And they'd be like, that's where I want you. But hold on, there was three defenders there. The hole's there. He's like, no, nah, that's where I want you. So there's a balance between that. Um, and, you know, Leicester's still in the mix for top six, but Northampton really pushing on, trying to stay in that top four fight. They had to win it after Harlequins got a last-minute win just before their kickoff um, to stay in that top four fight. Because obviously now it's five teams fighting out for four places in the playoffs. I've just had a funny thought, a story that I'd like to share because I was literally laughing. When you mentioned Pies, Rod Kafer, Leicester, I had this epiphany, all right, about me being at Leicester back in the days, driving around in my Vox Leicester expression that cost me 400 quid. And I was driving back from Leicester to Coventry down the M69. Before you get there, there's obviously buses and bus stops or whatever and people going into town. So you've got to drive effectively from the training ground into Leicester City Centre, but then peel back off onto the M69. Some young lad, when I'm driving the Vox Lasher Expressions, hit the car with an egg. Absolutely <laughs> livid, right? Livid. All over the windscreen. So I've said to me, mate, Kovskin, Thursday night, these obviously young lads are throwing eggs at cars or whatever. A few of the other lads have been done. I said, I want you to come to training with me. Drive me car home. I'm going to hit him with an egg on the way back. So, gone to the kitchen. Jackie's got a load of food left over. Is Dusty in there? Yeah, Dusty was in there. Dusty, yeah. <laughs> Cooking up the salad. So, I said, Jackie, I need a bag of lasagna. <laughs> I said, where are the eggs? She said, we haven't got any eggs. I said, well, bag me up some lasagna, right? She says, why? I said, I'll eat it when I get home. <laughs> Kofskin's in the car, waiting outside. Sunny day in Leicester, driving. I've got the window open. I've got the lasagna bag ready to go, spinning it around. We've gone past this bus stop, right? At a responsible 28 miles an hour, and I've just lobbed <laughs> this lasagna bag at these lads who were waiting to egg us 
on the way back to Cov, and the lasagna bag has exploded right on cue as it's hit the bus stop. There was probably four portions of lasagna. It's gone everywhere. Kovskins won. <laughs> Young lads in Leicester nil. You've just been lasagnaed, lads. You've just been lasagnaed. Anyway, when I went back to training, left my car in Leicester City Centre after a night out after training. My wheels had disappeared, so it might be one all. I don't, I don't really know. But anyway, triggered a nice memory there when I was around people and friends, and what a life I had in front of me back then. Well, there would have been lasagna to celebrate in the in the Goody household on the weekend, wouldn't there? Mate, it wouldn't have just. Wouldn't have just been lasagna. There'd have been steaks with farquhar on top, fries galore, truffle oil on it as well. Oh, mate. Truffle butter as well on the steak. Just delicious. Um, yeah, wasps. We're back. Nah, leave it. Move on. Move on. There's no... What's the point? We're back. It's a bit What's late. You're back. You're third or fourth from bottom. What do you mean you're oh. back? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's a hell of a game, actually. Uh, obviously, Bath pushing those top six places. Their top four aspirations are gone now, I think. Um, but it's a real good game of rugby. Uh, wasps carved up in the first half Jacob Umunger uh, back to his best ball he talked about George Ford recently about on the front foot Jacob Umunger taking the ball to the line two of the tries that Wash scored uh, one in the first half Josh Bassett's try created uh, by Jacob Umunger just playing out of his own 22 making a half break bit of help with a slight bounce off the ball uh, which stopped our friend of the show uh, Zach Mercer from making the tackle but play on Jouet Jouet and then the second Half the try where he's given it to out the back door offload side door one to Malachi Fekatoa on my selfie uh, in the second half out the side door wonderful and then he gets off the deck backs it up again attacks the line gets half through and then another one to Le Bourgeois some people said it was forward but wonderful bit of skill so great for Wasps uh, too little too late though for this season they can only hope that with five games left you know they that gives them a massive amount of confidence to try and push and finish at the minute top six or top eight if it doesn't get extended to that. So we shall see. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just eight ninety seven for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just eight ninety seven at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We can have a chat now with a man who's back in the premiership after almost six years away in France. Newcastle's new signing, Carl Ferns, joins us. How are you, mate? 
I'm great, yeah. I'm, I've actually turned up this time, so <laughs> and, and the, the ink's dry, so it's definitely it's definitely happening. <laughs> we were going back and forth a little bit today on message. You're a bit dusty today. There was a team social with Newcastle. I was wondering how does a team social go down in the Premiership with Dino? Me and Goody played under Dino for a long time, and I just remember being in an armbar by him in the ABC lounge, face down, and absolutely loving it even though my shoulder was probably dislocated but because it was Dean I was loving it but how you think you're a bit dusty today uh, well no it was actually a, a bit bit tame but I actually lost my phone because uh, we were doing a bit of wrestling I think that's how I've lost it so uh, yeah I lost my phone that's why I had to reach out to you on, on my wife's phone but yeah it was wasn't wasn't a hard one it was just just tame I love that so you're saying it's tame you were doing wrestling and you've lost your phone. <laughs> those th- those three things don't add up. Next thing you know, Henson's been banged out. Firstly, <laughs> <laughs> remember you've got history. You've got history on uh, on nights out, but we'll get onto that. I'm sure. I've, I've been accused of by Gavin of dining out on that far too much, so let's not talk about it too much. <laughs> Firstly, let's go back to um, your time in France, and I know there was talk and it was all over social media about you going to Gloucester. You obviously stayed in France. There's very few success stories, right, of lads who go to play in France. I think you're one of them. Arguably, you could say that you went there in your prime. Uh, you're, you're on the kind of cusp of playing for England as well. Um, how was your time there? Because there's a few kind of horror stories, but you seem to be someone that's really enjoyed it there and did really well. Yeah, I think well, when I left the Premiership, I had 10 years of doing the same things, really. And, and I just wanted something very really different. And as Goody knows, it is different over there. So yeah, I just want just really jumped into it. And I think that's probably why I went so well, because a lot of the foreign guys who go go over there, they tend to want want to complain about things and want to change change things. Whereas I, I just sort of went over there and dived straight into it and embraced it, everything about it and, and tried to give as much as I, as I could. And then I got I got I got so much back from that. Yeah, you certainly did. And I used to commentate on a lot of the top 14 games that you played in. And single-handedly, uh, in some games, you were the star man for Leon, um, you know, sort of dragging them to victory with some monster carries. And, and you were getting the accolades, weren't you, in, in terms of Rugby Rama, the French newspaper over there with their star of the week and all this stuff, which you won a, f- a fair few times. But tell us about your first day at Leon. Was it a bit of a car crash on day one? It didn't get off to the best start, did it? Uh, well, literally, if I hung around there after the, the first week I had, then the, the only way was up because I cra- crashed my car. Obviously, being on the wrong like wrong side of the car, you sort of, your perception of where cars are is a bit off. So I've, I've crashed into a, a parked car the first day, <laughs> and then um, at the end of that week, we went on a pre-season camp. And as you do, you work hard during the week, and at, at the end of the week, you have a few few drinks and we had a few drinks in. in pretty much in like a forest in, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, the lads set up a huge fire and I've had too much to drink, got up and tripped over this branch and fell right in the middle of the fire. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Who is this mad northern man? Who is this mad man? <laughs> <laughs> I think I was that drunk. I didn't really notice I was in a fire. One of the boys picked, picked me out of the fire. And then our, our fullback at the time was a doctor. And he said, right, just go and sit in the river. So I was like, right. So I was just sat in this this river um, until so, until the ambulance came, which took a while because we were in the as like I say, we we're in the middle of nowhere in the forest. So and I got through through into the back of the ambulance. So I remember Pierre Mignoni looking at me, saying, "Oh, Carl, Carl, you you play next week." 
And I just, because I ended up having like two, two, two and a half months out. And I thought they potentially could rip my contract up then. Uh, so yeah, I was lucky. That, luckily they didn't. And, you know, I went on to, you know, be a, be a big player for them. In the ambulance, I bet they sprayed you. You know, that ice stuff, they come on. When anyone's injured in France, they just come on. Even if you've dislocated your kneecap, they'll come on and just spray you with all that ice stuff. So when you had your burns, that's probably what they did in the ambulance. And, oh, it's okay, Carl, you okay to play. You were good. Funny thing as well is that they did an initiation and they drew a load of, like, cocks on the chest. And I woke up in the hospital in the middle of... It wasn't even a room. I was just in the, in a corridor with just a load of cocks on my chest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you couldn't write that, could you? You absolutely couldn't write that. And they wonder why he did so well in France. They're like, this lad is just taking it. He's like a superman. He's fell in the fire. He's, he's an absolute superman. But the top 14 is hard in itself. But going down to Pro D2 and Ru- Ruan, is that how you say it? Ruan? Ruan, yeah, Ruan, yeah. Like, how was that? Because you talk about horror stories in France. What was it like in the, in the second division? And I think Richard Hill, Goody's a big fan of him, was your head coach there at the time. <laughs> Yeah, literally worst coach I've ever had. Well, I always got gone with Hilly and I respect him because he he, he understood my my situation, uh, you know, living away from... Because my family went back to England and I was living there by myself and I was there for about nine months and he sort of understood understood that and, you know, was, was one of the guys who got behind me getting back to the Premiership. Is he still making the boys do 500 passes a day off their left and off their right? Possibly the backs, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> the, be- the best drill we ever did, and I thought I actually thought he was taking the piss one day, but he wasn't. Best drill we ever did, he said, right, get in groups of five and start behind each other on the try line in single file. He said, the first guy, run out, put the ball down after five metres. Next guy, run out, pick it up, run five metres, then put it down. Third guy, run after the ball all the way to the far end and back I'm like Richard we are professional rugby players and you're making us do 100 metres there and back just putting the ball down picking it up again is this some newfound level of rugby and he's like skills mate picking the ball off the deck it's a key skill I think that that was his way of telling you that you were probably morbidly obese at the time I don't think I had anything to do with the skills mate it was his way of being a good bloke and saying this is the way that you need to do it Let's go back. We've got to ask you about the Gloucester situation. Then, obviously, 2017, you know, it seemed you'd signed the contract and then um, stayed in Lyon. Uh, all about the Euros or any other reason? That was part, part of it. Um, <laughs> no, they offered, they offered me a very, a very very good deal. Um, when I received that deal, I, I took a step back and actually looked at it. And it was like, right, well, I'm living in Lyon, an amazing city. My, fa- my, my kids are in international school, loving it. You know, all my family's loving it. I'm loving it. I'm playing the best rugby of my life. You know, why am I going back? And it, the only the only reason I was going back is to get a cap. And that that isn't all in my, you know, that I'm not always in control of that. So I could do everything I could and I'm not necessarily going to get that. So I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to go with the black and white, the black and white option uh, that I had a, a lot more control over. And I'm not the type of guy to run away from a fight either. So, you know, I was well up for coming back and and giving it a you know Billy a, at the time a good run for his money to get to get in into that team the way I was playing. But for me, um it was just too big of a risk to turn down the, the deal I got offered. And as actually proved right in the end because I signed that deal. We played 10 games, won 10 games, top of the top 14 with Leon and, and I snapped my ACL and I was out for 13 months. So you know if, if I'd have gone back to that and that scenario happened in Gloucester then you know, I'd be kicking myself. 
And you mentioned the England uh, situation there about trying to come back and get a cap, but you went on tour to South Africa back in 2012 um, when Stuart Lancaster was at the helm. Is it something, having had the career and being so close, that you think about a lot? It must be, you know, when you think you were that close and you're obviously thinking about coming back, and you've probably still got an opportunity if, if things go well at Newcastle as well. Ah. But for you, no, you're not feeling it? No, no, no. It's that, that boat sailed for me, I think. I, I, I'm coming back now for this different, different reasons. And and to be honest, like, I'm coming back to push myself because uh, I, I could have just stayed over in France and probably more money and done about 30% of the work I'm going to come over here and do. But, you know, I want to want to push myself and see if I can uh, still run around with the young lads. Do you think about the England stuff, though, Fernsey? Because it, 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 there's loads of discussions now about players that should be playing for England or, do you know what I mean? It's all about the coach in charge and maybe we can talk a little bit about that. But have you part that now that maybe, like you said, the ship has sailed, but is it something that you... I mean, let's be honest, we can say it. Mate, if you're Scottish, mate, you've got 100 caps in front of you. <laughs> let's talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> Even with Hamish Watson there. Well, I feel, obviously, it's... I came up through all the English age groups, so it's 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 something I yeah, and I, and as like as a kid growing up in England, I think that's what you always want to play be like an an England rugby player. So yeah, it's, it's something I thought of, but I had that decision in in my career, and I spent a lot of time time over it, and I made the right right decision. So I don't really dwell on that. Jim grew up in England as well, wanting to be an England rugby player. And the age group and stuff like that. But I never look back. It's it's interesting because in France, I think a lot of the kids growing up, they they want to like win the bouclier with Toulouse or or Toulon. But I think maybe, well, when when I was in England, a lot of the young kids growing up were like, well, I want to play for England. It's never like, I want to go and win the premiership with the club, the club. Um, So I think that's probably because the game club game I feel in France is probably a lot a lot a lot bigger stage let's talk about moving back to Newcastle then because as you've said you know you could have stayed in France earning more money and doing less work that sounds pretty good to me to be fair that that, that mentality but um you want to come back mix it with the you know the, the youngsters and, and helping Newcastle out and show that Carl Ferns is you know still knocking about and a hell of a player um there's a bit of a backdrop story isn't there around coming back to Newcastle as well um family here in the area as well and, and playing for Dino must is going to be good fun yeah well my wife my wife's from the area she's a concert girl um so yeah I was probably always gonna even after rugby end up in the northeast, uh, so the fact that you know I've got an option of a you know top flight Premiership club in in the area is uh, per- perfect for, for for me and the family. And Dino as well. I mean, I, I imagine for a player like you, Dino, like you're one of his ideal profile of players, like hard up north, durable, likes the contact in all facets of it. I mean, how was Dino when he when he tried to get you? Was it an easy conversation? It was actually we spoke a lot a long time ago, uh, just the start of my last year year at Leon, and then that was it for for a while. And it just come out out of the blue really when I was at Rouen. So because like going back to Rouen, it, I was lucky that I had the Rouen option because I, I didn't want to stop playing. So and and obviously with COVID, a lot of the English clubs didn't want to be signing players when they're, they're cutting them, uh, cutting the players they already have. Um, so. Yeah, I was lucky that I kept on playing at Rouen and Dean's watched maybe watched a few of them games and, and thought I could still still do, do a few few bits. So 
didn't really speak to him that that much, to be honest. Let's talk about the current situation. You're in back row number eight. There's a lot of chat week in, week out about who should and shouldn't be playing, who should be in the squad or whatever. What's your take on the whole number eight position at the minute with England? Obviously, Billy Vanapola is playing. Al Sam Simmons not in the squad. As a back rower, can you understand that? Alex Dombrandt in the mix as well. What, what, what's your take on it all? Yeah, I think it depends what, what Eddie wants. I think if he obviously, I think he obviously wants a number eight who operates in the 15 metre channels and is someone who can carry in traffic and constantly make big impacts and win big collisions. So, I've, you know, I can only assume maybe he thinks that maybe Simmons is a bit more of an edge, edge back rower and evasive and quick. And for me, I'd, 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 I'd have, I'd have put him in myself as well, Simmons in because Billy had only, I think he only played against Ealing away, and then he's gone from Ealing away into an international. So for me, I think Simmons is obviously looking for opportunities and his shot, his shot to get in. And then when that doesn't come, it's obviously even more frustrating for him. Yeah, because we we spoke a lot about friend of the show and former teammate of yours, um, Zach Mercer, as well. And there's a lot of talk about how well he's playing at the age of 23. He's one of the best players in the Prem. He's heading over to Montpellier. I know you'll probably encourage him to go and do that and, and have that opportunity and the way that he's playing but he's he's another one really isn't he where you, you look at the way that he's playing he just doesn't fit the mold um you think it's a good move for him going to Montpellier or do you, would you rather him seeing it out and, tr- and try and push a bit more no I think I think it's a brilliant move for him because there's no better way to uh answer them question marks over, over his head than go to that league and you know, have, a, have, a, have a around with the level of the calibre of bat rows over there and if he does the same over there then for me there's you know there's no question mark over his head he, he should be in there watching the England team play in the um in the Six Nations this year what have you kind of made of their performance and how they finished fifth from the, I, I didn't watch that that much really. from what I did watch there was a lot of uh, our discipline wasn't brilliant um, you know, a lot of a lot of penalties which Creates pressure, and then you know, and then uh, you, know, you, you get even more ill discipline off the off the the pressure you're receiving. So yeah, for me, it was a big thing. Probably the players and taking ownership of the discipline on the pitch and not giving away stupid penalties. Really, can we get your your back row for the Lions? Um, Hamish Watson's got to be starting. Then probably Falatau, and um, yeah, I'm a bit undecided on the other, but I'd go them too. Looking at this weekend's games, then obviously the Champions Cup semi-finals, three French teams involved, Toulouse, Bordeaux and La Rochelle. Obviously La Rochelle up against Leinster, but what's your pick in terms of the French team? You might have a, a bit of an inside track on who you think's going to take the semis. Uh, I think La Rochelle and Toulouse would be the ones I'd back. Right, Fernsey, before you go, we've got the headline question over us and people will kill us for not asking you and we've tried to get Gavin Henson on the show but the video clip that went viral when even social media it still was a thing back then but we did enjoy it I don't know why we enjoyed it I don't know why I did enjoy it because I do like Gavin Henson as well I've had a few interactions with him but can you just talk us give us a quick couple of lines on what happened and how you are now and then hopefully that might fuel Gav's fire to bring him on in a couple of weeks <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, well the lads went to a Thatcher's brewery I didn't go to that but they were all, they were egging up Gav on. They wanted to see Super Gav, so they were <laughs> constantly egging him on. 
And then when SuperGov came out, they, they all tried wanted to put them back it back in back in the box. But uh, what SuperGov? Fernsey, let's get a little bit of detail. I've seen SuperGov. Me mate Kovskin's seen SuperGov. Can you just explain what SuperGov is? So it's a, it's basically a it's like a Jimbo. So like a, I've got James in the house, Jim now, and then Jimbo is like loose loose Jimbo, like Ibiza Jimbo. Is this the same thing with SuperGov? Same thing, uh, loose 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 man. So basically, yeah, we're we're out and then. He'd already actually punched four of the other lads in the team before that. So so we just sat him down and were like, look, this is Bath. It's a small place. Everyone knows your business, but like, just chill out. And then he just stood up and said he'd knock me out. He said, your missus wants to um, get with me, which, which she probably does. <laughs> 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 and, uh, and then he was like, I'll knock you out. Um, yeah, so then I just... I didn't intend to knock him out with, with what through, but unfortunately it did. Fortunately or unfortunately, yeah. I was going to say, but uh, poor Super Gav. He didn't want to be Super Gav. And then they've all made him get Super Gav. Yeah. And then he's flat. <laughs> and then he's flatline Gav. Um, how is your, how was your relationship after that? Because he's completely gone, you know, incognito now. No, I, I got him really well, well, well with him after. And I probably, I said, I said this before, like, if I'd have known that that isn't him, I just wouldn't. I wouldn't have done what I've, what I did, really. Hopefully, we'll get Gav on and just he can tell us who Super Gav is. We don't want to see it, but we'll ask him. Fernsey, you're a hard Northerner. It was class to have you on, mate. That's all yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> Cheers, lads. Good stuff. Cheers, Fernsey. Well, we mentioned them with Carl there, but let's have a look ahead to the European semi-finals, lads. Toulouse Bordeaux, only one winner for me. Comfortable win for Toulouse. Um, the quality they've got. They smoked Racing this weekend, and I just want to. Bring to everyone's attention. If you get a chance, try and Google the rip. But you watch Zebo; he gets the ball and he's eyeing up Anton Dupont, thinking he's little. I'm going to run over him, and he's looking at him, going, "I'm coming for you." Tries to run over him. Dupont strips him, rips him, then makes the break, scores a try. Screaming hundred hundred thousand pound a month, please to lose or whoever <laughs> wants to pay me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can only see you know Bordeaux a uh, half decent. I don't want to give them no chance but you're going you're playing against Toulouse at Toulouse unto Max on fire again you know they're, they're a quality outfit you've got the two best players in the world in Cheslin Colby and Anton Dupont at the minute um, I can only see Toulouse winning that Here, can't argue Laura Shaw and Leinster oh I'd want to call this really with Leinster's credentials in the competition you're thinking Leinster should win now Andrew Goody has convinced me about how good La Rochelle have been. I said, mentioned it before, Lavani Bottier, he told me you need to watch this lad. I was like, oh, my moustache, but unbelievable. So I he looks, he looks about 50 as well, Bottier. I love him. Apparently, he is 55, but he's <laughs> carrying on going. They've done his passport down to make him 21, so he's got years <laughs> left in him. But um, you've convinced me on La Rochelle, but I still can't see him beating Leinster. I'd be very surprised if Leinster lost. Yeah, what I will say about La Rochelle and Leinster and how it kind of is going to be built up. You think back to Leinster, whenever they come up against a big, powerful team, they have struggled. Um, and you go back to, say, Saracens last year in the quarterfinals. The power game that La Rochelle have got, you know, you've got big Willie, little Willie Skelton. You've got Winnie Antonio, Gregory Aldrich. You know, there's right. proper, proper quality um, in the team. Kerr Barlow at nine. Fucking Barlow. Oh, Ken at nine. Barlow. Ken Barlow from <laughs> Coronation Street at nine. Um, 
the big question, right, is who plays at 10 for them? Does it hire West play or does Jules Plisson play? Um, and people look at it and go, Leinster have got all the experience, but you're playing at La Rochelle. There's the whole Rowan O'Gara factor as well. Monster fucking hate Leinster. Can you say fucking? Of course you can. Monster fucking hate Leinster as well. So he's got a lot of history there. I don't know. I'm, question marks over Sexton. I'm just thinking, I reckon it could be La Rochelle. And in the Challenge Cup, the other semi-finals, Leicester and Ulster. This is the one time, and I ain't being horrible, um, that I'm excited about the Challenge Cup. Again, Leicester and Ulster back in the day was a was a big old game. Ulster it doing was. really well. And Leicester, we mentioned, physical. I, I'd want to call. I wouldn't be surprised if Le- Leicester won. If Leicester win, that shows me, not that I'm an anybody, um, that they've come on leaps and bounds. You know, it's all right doing it in the Prem and getting better in this kind of season, but Ulster, completely different kettle of fish. You know, third best team in the Pro 14 behind the, you know, Munster and Leinster, arguably. Some Ulster fans might not like that, but I think that they are. I think it's going to be a proper, proper match because Ulster are really physical as well. So, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I reckon Ulster will just sneak it. And then the other one, Bath Montpellier. Uh, Philippe, I'm just going to go with Philippe. Just back I ain't bothered about that one. I don't know why. I'm just not. Oh yeah, I'll go Montpellier as well. Unless the arousing speech comes out by hoops, and hey, it could be sixty <laughs> points to Bath. <laughs> right. Well, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, plenty of good again. Um, loads of games to talk about. We'll start off in the Guinness Pro 14. Uh, Benetton, my goodness, put 60, 50, 67. How many points did they put on Glasgow Gym? Well, it's forty. Let's just round it down to forty. Yeah, 46 points to 19. So let's round it up to 50. Absolutely pulled Glasgow's pants down and exposed some pretty big skid marks, James. Um, There'll be a few else- bushes in that team. They're on the West Coast. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah they will. It's cold. Uh, what else was good? Munster, 27-3 victory away at Leinster. Connor Murray, two tries. Carberry, absolutely Toby Carberry and up as well. A great performance by them. Doesn't make up for losing the Pro 14 final, but... It certainly does right a few wrongs and gives them every opportunity of the Rainbow Cup. Uh, Connacht beating Ulster. We just mentioned Ulster, 26-24 at the Kingspan. Not many teams win there. That was pretty good. Um, and let's stay in the Guinness Pro 14 because this doesn't happen often. And in fact, I can't remember whenever it's happened. But the Dragons, Jim. The Dragons get a mention. But they put 50 uh, on uh, Scarlets. I called Dragons to win, right? And then Naz, Luke Narraway, the recycler, texts me and basically after the match said, hashtag drags for life. I said, what does that mean? Is that code? Drags for life. Is that a drag on the old uh, menthols? I, it could be anything. It could be It could be Titty Von Trump. I don't really know, but hashtag <laughs> drag, drags for life. So he was obviously happy. He thought of me straight after the game. That's weird. Nice, big victory. Uh, let's go over to France and Toulouse dispatched Racing 34-16. Uh, decent performance by them leading into this weekend's semi-final. Lyon had a big win at home as well against Clermont. Joshua over if you get a chance, Google his last try. Absolute beast oh, mode. Legs. Tell the calves that. Um, uh, absolute monster. Uh, that was good. Um, what else was good? England women won the Six Nations. Beating France 10-6. That's three on the spin for England women. So tip the slipper to them. And then we'll go back to the Premiership. Uh, Saints with a massive win for them. Dan Bigger on phenomenal form. Arders folk just staying on, like legs battered all over the place. Just what nah. about his tap tackle? What oh, about amazing. his tap tackle on Jasper Visa? And he took a heel in the face and didn't flinch. My kind of man, mate. Dan Bigger is hard. I like him as a player. Like him as a bloke. Uh, big win for Saints that in the East Midlands derby at Welford Road. 
but the goo this week can only go, Jim. I'm it's kidding. Saris. We're going to mention wasps. Healing. We're going to mention what? wasps. Big oh, okay. performance. 39-29 victory over Bath. Umunga on fire. Created two worldy tries that we spoke about earlier. But the goo this week goes to Exeter. Exeter Chiefs back on form. Edinburgh. Not Edinburgh. No, not Edinburgh, Jim. They, oh, they, only just, they only just beat Zebra with some awful comms. But Exeter, still the big boys in the league, beating the Bears at Ashton Gate. Simmons was ridiculous. Jack Noel, great to see him back. Johnny Hill with a nudge. Uh, fantastic performance. Jack Vermeulen, man of the match. Exeter, still the kings of the premiership. The bad. A few bits of bad, actually. And we're going to start off with some injuries that weren't good news at all. Uh, Joe Launchbury looked like he did his knees, ACL or something. Uh, didn't look very good. Um, talking to knees as well. George North, his studs got stuck in the ground. That didn't look particularly yeah. good either, especially with yeah, the Lions announcement him. coming up. Uh, so that looked like it could be a fairly serious knee injury. Hope it's not too bad. And also, the game I was commentating on, Will Evans. Horrible, horrible twist. Mm. Broke uh, his leg. Like, yeah, ended up with a fractured tibia. Um, so, uh, wish them all a speedy recovery. I think we'll be looking at a couple of them not till next season, though, unfortunately. Let's hope they're not as bad as people are thinking they are. Uh, what else was bad? Uh, Scarlet's taking 50 from the Dragons. <sighs> no one Drags takes 50 from the Dragons. Dragsforlife.com, whatever it is. Uh, that's pretty bad. Um, the RFU's review of the Six Nations, they said it was suboptimal. No, RFU, it was a lot worse than that. I thought some of the excuses were pretty bad. But that doesn't get the bad this week, because the bad James goes to I was going to say Scotland but it doesn't it goes to Glasgow Warriors James taking 50 points or 46 so we'll round it up to 50 at Benetton who does that in the Rainbow Cup Glasgow Warriors hang your heads in shame you're getting the bad this week I can't argue I'm hashtag always Edinburgh anyway <laughs> uh, and then the ugly few bits of ugly to be honest um, we'll start off with uh, Beno Urbano's high shot uh, into the tackle of Ben Morris I think he broke his nose so we won't be thanking him for that uh, Andre Esterhazen's elbow to the face of Curtis Rona, who looks big and hard, to be fair. So maybe that's what he needed, a bit of elbow. But uh, yeah, not good from Andre Esterhazen. But the worst one, and I implore people, have a look at this one. Have a look at this one. Uh, Nyserani of the Rebels. Oh, my high shot. But not only does he back up his high shot, he gets up, someone pushes him, and then he just unleashes three or four punches to the face so um yeah not a good look for Nicerani. he's been out for quite some time injured that's his first game back he didn't last till half time he could have got about four red cards one for the tackle and then three for different punches um so Nicerani, you get the ugly this week he wants to buy he wants the henry tuolangi hamstring chief he wants out <laughs> of there for a bit so yeah he gets the ugly this week thanks goody and you've got a shout out to finish off with don't you yeah, it's a sad one, uh, but a big shout out to Dave Bowler, whose fiance Tash, sadly died this month after being hit by a car on her morning run. Dave and Tash had set up a Get Fit in Bath together, as it was a massive passion of hers. So they've set up a GoFundMe page uh, to raise money to help Get Fit in Bath. And check out their GoFundMe page in loving memory of Tash Lewis if you want to help them out. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tim. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and head on over to Spotify and we'll see you there. Rugby pod. Spotted pod, 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 pod. I get the Spotted pod. See what you've done there now. Uh-huh.